you know, thinking back to those days, um, quite remarkable things, you know, every single meeting. Uh, back, that, that was back in the, the what people call Toronto, but the stream that I was involved with was, was Rodney Hare Brown, really. Um, but, you know, all kinds of manifestations. Remember, a baptismal service, and the only people that could go up to the baptismal tank without collapsing under the power were, were those to be baptised. So people leading them up were just collapsing. When they got within a certain distance, just hitting the floor out. And the only people that weren't affected like that were, were the, the people being baptised, but they get hit when they come back out. So it's just those days were glorious. But you're not aware always when you're in the middle of revival atmospheres. But even uh, before that, just I would say the ordinary uh, Christian experience back then, if you're in Pentecostal or charismatic churches, was, was far more powerful than it is today. Uh, but that's not because God's gone on holiday. That's not because the Holy Spirit has uh, dwindled in power. It's because we're living in a dark world. And a lot of Christians let that affect them. Uh, but it's, it's living free of that. It's living above that. We're supposed to live the ascended life. I'd love to preach on that tonight. But what I want to speak about is... Something we were talking about on Wednesday, a conversation Wednesday, and it sort of sparked something in my spirit, triggered, if you like, something, that, and I, the Lord just began to add to it, because we're speaking about transitioning to the kingdom age. And, you know, Karen was saying, and we had a wee conversation about it in the group on Wednesday, that we can draw on the power, or the powers of the age to come. And that's exactly what Jesus did. Well, look at that. But we may be living in this age, but we can be living from the age that is to come. And Hebrews chapter 6, verse 5 says that we partake of the powers of the age to come as Christians. And I believe that's every Christian uh, since uh, Jesus uh, was ascended to heaven and glorified at the right hand of the majesty on high, but also, and this is so important, as we get nearer what we call the end times, as we get nearer the, the age to come, we step into a zone where it's possible that the powers that we will have in that age to come, we can walk in them now. Now, we might not have our celestial glorified body right now that we'll have then, but I believe that we, we can walk in stuff that would blow your mind. Now, Jesus, when he got his glorified body, he could walk through walls because he was no longer limited by the speed of light in his physical body. I believe some of us are going to experience that. People already have. People are translated um, and go from this country to other countries, sometimes just in their spirit man, but very often in their bodies. Um, and so we can see these, these uh, amazing things happen, translocation uh, or bilocation, multilocation. And the Bible says that although we're here on earth, and to live on earth, you have to have a body. You have to have a, an earth suit. This is your suit for living on earth. It's like if you were going to the moon and um, 
Hands up if you believe we actually went to the moon, but that's another, <laughs> that's another message, okay? Uh, but if you were to go to the moon, presumably you'd need one of these kid-on spacesuits that, that uh, they had. I remember somebody putting uh, Facebook a while back, something about, you know, all the technology they had in the 60s. And I said, yes, Stanley Kubrick really used all of it in making the, the, the fake movie. And anyway, anyway. But you would need that spacesuit to go to outside the Earth's atmosphere, presumably. But this is our suit for living on Earth. And if you don't have one of these, you have to go either that way or that way. Amen? So we, we live on Earth, but you know, the Bible says also that we're seated with Christ in heavenly places, which means at the same time in some mysterious, mystical way, but perfectly scientifically because we, have a, we are a spirit, we have a soul and we live in a body, but there's a reality that part of our spirit, if you want to call it part of our spirit, or a dimension of our spirit is seated with Christ right now in heavenly places. And you know, I've, I've shared this before. When Paul, Paul said that he went to heaven, he didn't know if it was in his body or not, but when he went, he said, I saw things it was not lawful for a man to utter. And you know, you think, oh, well, we'll never know that until we get, well, that's not so. Because if anybody's ever functioned in the prophetic, and heard stuff from, from the Lord, you know that when the Lord gives you something, he'll say to you, don't, don't release that. And don't tell anybody that, or, or share that, but don't, don't give the detail. But you know, sometimes it's happened to me quite a few times, later on the Lord will say, you can release that now. So I think, what Paul, this is just my opinion, okay? This is just my opinion. Um, but I believe it. Paul said, well, I went, I went to heaven, I saw stuff I can't even talk to you about. But later on he said, he wrote that we're seated with Christ in heavenly places. And that was later on in, in Paul's life. But here's what I believe. This is what I believe. You don't need to believe this. I believe Paul went to heaven and saw himself sitting there. And it blew his mind. And, he, and the Lord said, don't, don't release that yet. That's just me. Okay, it might, might not be. But put it this way, whatever he saw, it, it was wow. Amen. So, but I believe that because... And the Bible speaks, now if Jesus, listen to this, if Jesus, think, think about it this way, scientifically even, logically, if Jesus is seated right now at God the Father's right hand, and yet he lives in you and I, and he's present here just now, that means he's multi-local, because he's not just sitting with us, he's in every believer across the planet, isn't he? He lives, he says, the Father and I will come and dwell with you. So he's multi-local. Now, the Bible says we are in Christ. So if he's multi-local, so are we if we're in him. It's time we started expanding our mind. See, the Bible must renew our thinking, must renew our mind, because we, too much of our thinking is uh, bound to earthly things. The Bible says uh, there's nothing new under the sun. Well, folks, don't live under the sun. Live above the sun. Amen? What's under the sun is, 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 you could call it old hat, in a sense. We're not to replicate, and that's the problem when you look around the earth just now. Men are replicating stuff. Men and women are replicating things that have been done hundreds of times before. Tyranny, oppression, all the, all the Babylonian junk that we're living under right now 
has all been done before, tried before, and all these empires have failed because they're all under the sun. But there's a kingdom above the sun. There's a kingdom in the third heaven. And our job as believers is to bring that kingdom down here, to draw on the powers of that kingdom age and bring them into manifestation. And we've seen that. We've seen it with healings, miracles, deliverances, salvations. But oh boy, are we going to see a whole lot more of it. And that's really the subject of tonight, transition to the kingdom age. Now we look around, if you turn to Isaiah chapter 2, folks, if you've got your Bibles, we look around and we see all the darkness. And I don't know about you, I was speaking to to Jim last week, I know I spoke to, to all of you at different points, but really getting that sense of getting up in the morning and you say to yourself, is the nightmare ended? Was I just having a bad dream? Yeah? And then realizing when you switch on the telly and see all the faces of the cabal and their latest uh, nonsense and oppressive measures designed to choke the life out of us. And by the way, I'm talking literally. Not just defeat our hope, crush our hopes, but destroy our lives. And you think, no, we're still in that. The darkness covering the earth, gross darkness the people. And you think to yourself, it's easy to think. Well, that's it. It's going to get worse. There's no hope. And when you look around, and I'm going to be really honest, when you look around at the weak, uh, lukewarm, immature, undiscerning, totally deceived church and Christians, and see that the apathy... And you think to yourself, well, hope is lost because all that's there. But you know, that's why the Bible speaks about a remnant. Because God's never counted on the rump. Never has. You know, Gideon had 32,000 men. And the Lord says, that's too many. So you can imagine Gideon thinking, well, I could lose a few. And the Lord said, tell all the, 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 fear, the fearties to go home. And then he's left with 10,000. He's thinking, well, 10,000 is okay. And then the Lord gave that other test about lapping from the water, and there was only 300 left. Because God doesn't care about big numbers. Amen? We care about big numbers. And we want to see multitudes saved. Multitudes are our destiny. And it's, you know, we're not, we're not knocking it. I'm not saying, oh, we're quite happy that there will always be a wee group of us. And, you know, when I first, before I even get saved as such, um, I've shared this many times, it was multitudes I saw in my visions as a teenager. And then I saw the remnant. I saw what we're going through right now. Um, over 40 years ago. I know that's very hard to believe. <laughs> but that's what I saw. Multitudes. The very first vision God ever gave me was multitudes. So I'm believing God for multitudes. But we also have to understand multitudes will not come from multitudes. They'll come from a remnant. Um, so that's why, and, and I'll, I'll be frank, I've said it before, I'm not saying it uh, with a note of, oh, this is wonderful. I, I'm saying it, saying it with the fear of the Lord. Folks, in the months and years to come, but months more likely, millions will die. Um, and the Bible te- talks about the end times, talks about many people dying, talks about, in fact, yesterday... Uh, Stevie was speaking at Arise Scotland here and we were talk- he was talking about uh, 
the prayers of the saints being mixed with incense in heaven and thrown out onto the earth as judgments. Well, in that passage in Revelation 8, it speaks about millions dying. Because the judgment of God is in the earth. But what I, what I want us to, to understand is, is that transitioning to the kingdom age, that's going to be part of it. We just need to take that, as it were, on the chin and understand people will perish because the, of what's going on. The antichrist system that we're facing. It's not going to be, well, we'll snap our fingers, say a few decrees, and then tomorrow morning we'll all be in clover. We're in a battle, but we need to live from the victory, not from the battle. We can't get involved in what used to be called spiritual warfare because the days of spiritual warfare are over. This is the day of decreeing from the throne room of God. Uh, and so God is saying, if you want to win this battle, uh, you need to get out of the trenches and get your baton and be a field marshal rather than a soldier with your wee uh, rifle. Okay? So, again, all that points to the remnant. The remnant of God are the mature saints in the earth who will, uh, from the throne room of God, decree into the earth the purpose of God. And that's what we need to understand. I see a lot of Christians and they don't see what I'm about to read. Or they put it off to what they would call a millennial reign or the kingdom age, in other words, future. But in the meantime, we're going to get battered and, you know, we're doomed. Like the guy that used to be in Dad's army. We're all doomed. Okay? And, you know, I'm sure there were plenty of guys like him during the war. Oh, they're going to get overrun here. We're not going to win. But we need that bulldog spirit as believers to say, well, as Kenneth Hagin used to say, well, the devil isn't taking over the world because as long as I'm here, he ain't taking over me. So we need a wee bit of that in our hearts. So Isaiah chapter 2. And let me just read this. And you don't, you don't hear a lot from these doomsday prophets. Okay? The doom and gloom folks. And you know, if that's your level, fair enough, and, and the reality of it's all around us, we can't deny it, that, that the encroaching darkness is there. You know, we're not living in pretense here that everyone's okay. Like a lot of other Christians do this too. Some just say, oh, well, that's it. We're doomed. Uh, the devil's going to take over. But others will say, oh, I don't even see a problem. What are you talking about, government oppression? What are you talking about? The government loves us. They, they want to help us. They want to give us vaccines that will keep us healthy. But this is what it says here, Isaiah chapter 2. The word that Isaiah, the son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. And it shall come to pass in the last days. Are we in the last days? Well, people tell us. So, people tell us we are. So, if we are, then this must come to pass. It shall come to pass or God's a liar. Hands up. Where you vote. Amen. Then we're going to say, well, that's not going to happen. Well, God's a liar then. So why even bother? Roll up, get your sleeves rolled up, and take the jab. If you believe God's a liar. Well, I don't believe God's a liar, do you? I'm not speaking to people that see or believe God is a liar, but people that believe God's word. So here's what it says. It shall come to pass in the last days or in the latter days. I think the New King James says, the last days, 
that the mountain of Yahweh's house, the mountain of the Lord's house, shall be established in the top of the mountains. Now, I do a lot of uh, teaching on this in Bible college um, about what invading the seven mountains of culture, about this very subject. And of course, mountain in Scripture is a synonym, a metaphor for kingdom, nation, or power. So we would say, for example, France is a mountain, um, the, the, the British Commonwealth is a mountain, you know, nations, kingdoms, or the EU is a big mountain. In fact, the EU is Babylon. And the Bible says, addresses Babylon a lot as a mountain and says that God's going to make Babylon burn. And I think we've started seeing that. But mountain in Scripture means kingdom, nation, or political power. I'll tell you another couple of mountains right now. Facebook is a mountain. Remember reading that and it just, well, somebody put in Facebook, you know, we, we talk about nations. Facebook is a nation. It's a collective of people, isn't it? So is Twitter and all these places, Instagram. But the mountain of the Lord's house or the Lord's kingdom, the house of God's kingdom, the house of God's country, if you like, or God's nation, uh, Zion, you could say, shall be established in or on the top of the mountains. And what he's saying here is that the ecclesia of God, the church of God, the people of God, the Zion of God, but I, I would qualify it a wee bit and say the remnant. Because some of these other folks, they're not going to be on top of anything. Amen? And we're not being horrible when we say that, but it's for those who walk in it. The mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills. In other words, what it's saying is every earthly power, mountains, kingdoms, nations, and the hills, meaning uh, lesser administrative bodies or institutions or, or organizations or you could say regional powers of authority. So Glasgow, uh, the borders, you know, uh, Wisconsin, you know, He's saying all the mountains and all the hills, all the authorities, all the governmental authorities and regions of the earth, the church of Jesus Christ, the ecclesia of God, the governmental assembly of God shall sit on top of those things. And all nations shall flow unto it. Now is it flowing unto it right now? You look around, no. Is, is, are they knocking on that door saying, Pastor Bill, you've got the answers. Uh, come and sit. Come down to 10 Downing Street. Come and teach us how to run nations. Come and teach us how to govern societies. Come and teach us the ways of Yahweh. Come and teach us the ways of the Lord. Come and speak to Parliament. Come and speak to the, the City Council. Well, let me tell you something right now. That's happened in the past. In fact, John Knox was in the courts in Scotland and England and men and women of God would address these powers. And, and I'm not talking about, oh, they'll ask you to say the opening prayer at Holyrood, you know, your two-minute prayer, don't say controversial, all that stuff. I'm talking about they will listen. And the only way they'll listen is if they see that you have answers that they don't have. 
And, and we're believing for that because the Bible is full of that. Isaiah 60, King shall come to the brightness of your rising. It's all over the word, the Psalms. Kings will come. But I'm going to ask you something. Who believes that? The doom and gloom prophets don't believe it. That, you know, let's get your bags packed because the next, the next wonderful event on the calendar is going to be the rapture. We're all getting bailed out. Listen, folks, I heard that 40 odd years ago. And it was an exciting message then, but I'm still waiting. And I know people that get saved out of terror of that, out of terror of the mark of the beast, out of terror that Jesus was coming back. And those people gave their hearts to the Lord out of fear, and that's a great thing, except some of those folks are jabbed today. Because there's another fear. Do you, you remember when the, the, they were in the boat and it said that they were terrified? Jesus is in the back of the boat sleeping and they were terrified. And they woke him up, Master, don't you care that we perish? They rebuked the wind, they rebuked the waves, and it says that the, the, the fear came upon them. They swapped the fear of the storm for the fear of Jesus, which is the right thing to do. But in this day and age, folks, people have swapped the fear of the Lord for the fear of COVID, the fear of being ostracized, the fear of dying, the fear of death, which brings man subject to bodies. The fear of death is the master fear. And many Christians have bowed down at that. All right, okay. I, I don't know that I've got time to do this, but I'll do it. I'll tell the Lord When I was a young Christian, not saved that long, uh, I, 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 I had a real attack of the enemy on me. Depression. You, you used to suffer from depression quite a bit. Uh, and, and when I was saved, I was gloriously saved. I was you know, walking in clouds. But I went in this period of, of quite depression. And one night I went up to my bed still living with my folks at the time and the next thing I knew I was out of my body and I was standing beside my bed and I'm lying in bed the bed's there and I'm in my bedroom but I'm also in the spirit world so when I looked down I didn't see I'd wooden, I'd wooden floors in my bedroom but I saw dust so I knew that I was in my bedroom in the physical realm but I also knew that I'd stepped over into that other realm and the next thing I knew, I just felt this horrible feeling because the devil was in the room. Satan himself, not, not a demon, Satan himself. And the one thing that I'll never forget, what hit me and caused me to fall to my knees. I knew he'd come to claim me. I was safe in him, but I knew he'd come to claim me. was fear. That's what I felt. And I don't mean I felt fear as I was scared. I don't mean that. That's what was coming off him because that's his nature. That's who he is. And, and it wasn't a case of, oh, I was terrible. I was, I was, it was scary. But it wasn't fear that hit me as in, oh, I'm scared of this guy. But I, I was, it was terrifying because the power of that fear made me weak. Weak as a kitten. So I hit the deck and I'm on the ground and Satan was standing towering over me, and all it just came off him in sheets, fear, fear, fear. But it, but it wasn't that I, I was terrified, it was that was his power. That makes sense. So the next thing, I'm, I'm on the ground, and I'm kneeling down, and I turn around 
my left shoulder, and behind me was standing my angel. And let me just say this to you. Somebody said this yesterday. When these things happen, you don't go, oh, wow, that's an angel. Oh, wow, it's the most natural thing. If you like, it's not a great word to use, natural. But being in that realm of the supernatural, of the spirit realm, is just like walking from this room to the next. There's, there's nothing, oh, wow, about it. It's just, oh, there's my angel. And I, rem- and I don't know if I said it to him. I still to this day don't know if I said it to him. But I remember thinking, why are you not helping me? Because here's, here's Satan, and I'm on the ground, and you're my angel, and you're meant to protect you that way. And I thought, why are you not helping me? And he just looked at me, and he went, like that. And he pointed over my shoulder to the ground. And so as I look, and I'm on the ground on my knees, and as I saw in the dust and in my bedroom, and if my, if my bedroom had had that amount of dust in, in the real world, my mum would have freaked. Because it was dust, but I'm still in my bedroom. And right there in the dust was a sword, and it began to gleam. And as it gleamed, I just something in me, I grabbed it, and the minute I grabbed it, I can't describe the power, the rage that was in me. I can't describe that. Words could never describe. I leapt to my feet, and the, the power that coursed through me, but it was rage, it was a righteous rage. And I just ran at the devil, swinging my sword and he took off and then the next thing is back into my body so what I'm saying to you is is that that's what people are living under because that's his nature and I believe that, that the devil is terrified of the day that's coming for him he knows that his time is short so all he can do really is spread fear because that's who he is. Does that make sense? So the spirit of fear, uh, fear of death, all of that, that's, that's hooked up to him. And if we uh, cast that out, perfect love casteth out fear. When you walk free of him, he doesn't have a hold on you. So anyway, but what I want to show you here is, is that it says here, the Lord's house shall be established and the top of the mountain over, over all nations, over all powers. Verse 3, many people shall go and say, come ye and let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob, and he will teach us of his ways and we will walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth the law and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And he shall judge among the nations and shall rebuke many people and they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. What he's saying is, is that eventually, at some point in the last days, people will realize that the only people that have the answer, the answer to society's problems, the answer to the health issues, the answer to prosperity and poverty and all these things, are those folks in that church down the road. Now, I believe a lot of stuff's going to happen to make them realise that because the glory's going to come and they'll see the glory on us. And they'll see the wealth transfer that will take place, all of that. But it's going to happen, folks. But you don't hear that from the, oh, well, you know, the Antichrist is coming. Well, John says, you know, there's many Antichrists already here, folks. 
Little children, he said. It is the last time, so it's the same time as this. He says, you've heard that Antichrist is coming, but even now there are many Antichrists. So he's saying, you don't need to panic. You don't need to start preaching about the Antichrist. Preach about the power of Christ. And when you do, the folks will come. Now, David has a famous vision in here that he got on the first day of our Arise Scotland meeting way back that he saw the streets full of people queuing up to come in these doors. And we actually saw a wee mini, mini manifestation of that, didn't we? Um, last week. I know it was a funeral, but you know what? I, I got to preach the gospel. Folks get blessed. But that's not the full, the full fulfillment. We're believing for that because multitudes will come. But they'll come when we, as God's remnant saints, this is more real to us than what's going on out there. This is more real to us than Sky News. This is more real to us than the Daily Mail Online, where we read about all the vaccine mandates and passport mandates, all that stuff. But if we'll just understand that this is going to happen and believe it's going to happen, that the ecclesia of God will sit over the nations. That's not to say that there's going to be a new Vatican. That's not to say that we're going to have an ecclesiocracy as in the church will rule. Uh, by direct power, he's really talking about the fact that they will recognize the wisdom and the power that's in the church, our connection to God, and, and they'll still run things, but it won't be Boris Johnson, and it won't be Nicola Sturgeon, and it won't be Macron in France or that creepy Joan in America. It won't be these guys unless they repent. It will be the righteous. It will be godly men and women. So very quickly, in the time we've got left, let's turn to Daniel chapter 7. I want to give you uh, three scriptures here in particular that speak of this. That's the one there, Isaiah chapter 2, that the ecclesia will sit over the nations. In Daniel chapter 7, and I won't read it all because of time, uh, but verse 9, I, behold, I beheld till the thrones were cast down. See, thrones are going to be cast down, folks. Thrones are going to be, and what that means is the governmental powers that be right now are going to be thrown over, like we just said. God's going to destroy Babylon. Babylon will fall. And the Ancient of Days did sit, and then it speaks about him, his garment was white as snow, and so on. And then it says, verse 13, I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven, came to the Ancient of Days, they brought him near before him, and there was given him, this is Jesus, dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations and languages should serve him. Are we believing God for that? And let me ask you, even if you say, well, that's the millennial reign, that's off in the future, we can draw on the powers of that. Amen. Amen. We can walk in a measure of this, even if that's so, which I don't believe it is. I believe it's the saying, this is the eternal reality that Jesus is Lord and the earth just has to shift and get, get realigned to come into line with that. And the only people standing in our way, quite frankly, are halfwits. Yeah. I mean, there's no wisdom in them, there's no power in them. That, the only power they have is maybe an occultic connection or satanic connection. That's no power at all. And we're, oh, we need, oh why are we afraid of these people? 
And it says, language should serve him, his dominion is an everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away, his kingdom that which shall not be destroyed. Verse uh, 22 says, and this is what I want us to see, well, Jesus is Lord, that's great, but how does that affect me? Because you and I need to walk in that power, that authority. Until the Ancient of Days came, and judgment was given to the saints of the Most High. And the time came that the saints possessed the kingdom. What happened was that Adam had dominion. He sold it out to, to Satan. Jesus got it back and he gives it to you and I. Because we're here. Verse 27. The kingdom and dominion and the greatness of the kingdom under the whole heaven shall be given to the people of the saints of the Most High, whose kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and all dominions shall serve and obey him. Look what it says, verse 28. Hitherto is the end of the matter. And that ought to be the end of the matter for you and I, that we rule, we reign in his authority, his dominion, his power, his kingdom. He gives it to us, he shares it with us, and he says, I'm in heaven, you guys run the show on earth. Amen? In my authority, in my power. And by the way, I've got legions of angels to back you up. And then Revelation chapter 11, verse 15. We'll look at that and then a, a couple of scriptures and we'll close with that. Revelation chapter 11, saying the same thing. The same thing. Revelation chapter 11, verse 15 says, The seventh angel sounded, and there were great voices in heaven. See, the voice that you and I need to hear is in heaven. It's not on earth. It's not BBC. It's not CNN. It's not Fox News. It's not even GB News. It's in heaven. What does the voice from heaven say? The kingdoms of this world are become or are becoming the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. And it's talking then about the rain. It says the nations were angry and so on. Thy wrath has come. What he's, what he's telling us here, I believe tonight, the Spirit of God is saying to us is we're in that time when there's going to be judgment. There's going to be Jesus striking kings through in, in the time of his wrath. The heads of nations are going to be executed. How that happens, I don't know. Millions are going to die but out of that will rise the kingdom of God in the earth. How that's going to look, I don't entirely know. But I know the word says it's going to happen. And I believe it's happening. Because God is raising up remnant folks. You know, I, I, I read some of the stuff uh, that, that we say here, that we talk about here. And I read stuff from all over the world. And they're using the same terms, the same language. They're seeing the same things. We, God is rising or sorry, raising a remnant army in the earth. And it's not the millions and the multitudes now, but it will result in that. And I just want to show you this to close us. We can walk in the powers of the age to come, and the transition period is now. Cam said that the other day, we're in that transition period where some of that stuff that's on the other side, we can still draw on that and walk in it. Because that's exactly what Jesus did. Let's look at a couple of things. And we'll close. Luke chapter 4. And I want, you to see, I want you to see something here. Luke chapter 4. He says this. This is the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. He says, Jesus being full of the Holy Ghost. 
returned from Jordan, was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being 40 days tempted of the devil. And look what he says here. He says, uh, he says this, look. Verse 5, the devil taking him up into a high mountain. There it is, the mountain again. And he says, but watch what he says. Showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time, or at one time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will I give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. What's he talking about here? He's talking about the kingdom. He's talking about the power. And he's talking about the glory. And you notice the devil said, it's all mine. You see that? It's all mine. How, how did he get it? Because he deceived Eve and Adam went along with it. And they bowed the knee to Satan. And the, the devil ended up having... Now, of course, God's kingdom, God's power and glory in the third heaven is still intact, as it were. All right? But on earth, Satan became... The, the God of this world, he became, he became the, the one who had dominion in the earth. So when, when Jesus came, he says, I can give you this because it's mine. I'll share it with you. But look what Jesus did in Matthew chapter 6. We know this, it's so familiar to us. The disciples came and said, uh, can, you, can you show us how to pray, Lord? And uh, what would Jesus taught them about prayer? Verse 9. Matthew 6. After this manner therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now how can that happen if Satan runs the show? And Jesus has not yet been crucified. Jesus has not yet been risen from, raised from the dead. Jesus has not yet been ascended to the right hand of God and glorified in high. It's not yet happened. That's an age to come at this point, isn't it? Amen. It's still future. It's still an age to come. But he says, I'll just pray anyway. Because I'm drawn in the powers of the age to come. You can too. Pray this stuff. But, but, but Satan will have a legal... Oh, uh, objection. And? And? Look what he says. He says, uh, Thine is the kingdom. First of all, he says, Deliver us from evil or deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. What he's saying is, All right, yeah, right now Satan's got some kind of power, some kind of authority, some kind of kingdom going on. But just you keep saying it's God the Father's. Why? Because that's how it's going to end up. That's going to be the end of the matter. So yes, I've still to go to the cross. Yes, I've still to be risen at the tomb. Yes, I've still to go back to heaven as a glorified, ascended Lord. But you can pray this now because you can draw on the power of the age to come. And as he stood at the tomb of Lazarus, he turned around and said... Before he was resurrected, I am the resurrection. Because it's an eternal reality 
that trumps a temporal fact or circumstance. Amen? So, we can do the same. And then he says, and, and, and I'll, I'll leave you with this, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything you need in life will be added. That's not just getting your needs met. I believe that covers peace in our land, uh, that we'll no longer be in darkness. We'll be living a life of peace. We'll be living a life of blessing, he says. But you need to plug into the kingdom. It's an eternal kingdom. And yes, there are powers in the age to come. There are powers way beyond right now when we have our celestial body. When we're glorified, we can fly off to the edge of the Milky Way and do all this fun stuff I'm sure that we're going to do. But he says... He says, that's all in the kingdom. But you can draw on the powers of it. You can draw on that future time. You can draw on all that's... And by the way, it's not even drawn on the future or the age to come. It's drawing on our eternal blessings, our eternal reality, who we are in Christ eternally. And he's teaching that to disciples before they were even born again. And I believe you and I can walk, folks, in these things. That we can see it, and, and as long as we believe it and speak it and meditate it and really believe God, that we're going to see these, we're going to see the nations come. We're going to see the church glorified and, and, and ascended over all the nations. And that people are going to say, those Christian folks that we used to ridicule and mock and scorn and in some cases persecute, we just discovered they've got the answers. And we really need to walk in the knowledge. That's our future. That's our reality. Not succumbing to darkness. Anyway, praise the Lord. That's been a blessing to you.